we glorify his name. That's one of the reasons we come together. We can glorify his name together. In fact, when you pulled out of the driveway this morning and you backed out and you headed toward this place, you glorified his name. Because people know that that's where you're going. That's what you do. That's what you want to do. Not because you have to, because you want to. It's a great blessing to be able to glorify his name today. I've got something, a challenge I want to give the church before we get into the teaching part today. Uh, starting next Monday, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, we're going to open our collection center for Operation Christmas Child. Thousands of shoeboxes will come in here uh, that week, and we'll take them to Shelbyville, they'll go on a tractor trailer, and they'll probably go to Boone, North Carolina, or Atlanta, Georgia, and then they'll go all over the earth. Understand something inside every one of those shoeboxes, after you're done with it, they'll open them up at one of those centers, and they'll put inside that, in the language of the country it's going to, a story of Jesus Christ. So when those kids open those boxes, they're going to get toys and some other things that you put in there. But what they're going to get is, in their language, a presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will know his name. So here's the challenge. I'm asking every person in the church to pack a shoebox. You can do that. It's not hard. You can pack a shoebox. In fact, some of you ought to pack 10. Okay? Some of you already packed 20. I know some of you. You can pack a shoebox. And bring them in and uh, pray over it. Pray over that box. And then come by faith and then wonder. Put, your, put a picture of yourself in there and write a letter. I always, I always put a picture of myself and I write a letter. I put a picture of my family and I, and I write a letter and uh, tell them who I am and why I'm doing it. You can do that. Think about touching some kid on the other side of the world. You can do this. It's not hard. In fact, this afternoon, right after the second service, our children's ministry is going to take uh, the little kids. They're going to take them all shopping. <laughs> Can you imagine that scene? Take these little kids all shopping. I think they're supposed to bring $11 with them. They're going to Dollar Tree. And they're going to buy 10 $1 items and pack shoe boxes and put stuff in them. They're going to do that today. So adults, you can join them. There you go. There's my challenge. Thousands. This church ought to be putting thousands of boxes together. All right? I've preached six sessions so far on Paul's letter to the church at Galatia. Next week, Lord willing, will be the final session. It's titled Responsibility. And what's interesting to me is when I started into Galatians, I didn't have any format I just said, Holy Spirit, you just show me what I'm going to, what I need to do as I read. So when I read the first thing that came to my mind, and it's just basically telling you what it says, is there is no other gospel. Galatians begins with, there is no other good news. This is it. If you're waiting for something else, you're just going to miss it. There is no other gospel. And number two, session number two, there's only one message. Jesus came to, to, to rescue you and I from the coming darkness, and darkness is coming. And then number three was how? By faith. It's within my reach. All I got to do is believe and receive 
that which he has offered. And then number four was the promise. God promised. He gave us his word. He doesn't lie. God has given you and I his word that he's got a plan that he wants you and I to be a part of. And then that that led to number five, which is hold on. Hold on, because there's a storm. You're going to get, maybe you're not in it right now. Well, just wait a little while. You will be. Hold on. That storm will test your faith to prove it's, it's genuine or fake. And last week was two sons. Two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. It's a fork in the tree. You got to line up on Isaac's side. Two sons. There's a core theme. In fact, if I took all of Galatians and melted it together, there's a core theme. And here's the core theme, freedom. Freedom. That in front of you, there's not a grave with your name on it. In front of you, there's absolute freedom from sin and death and hell and darkness. There's freedom. You've been set free from that. But here's today's message. You've been set free from that, but you must listen to him. In fact, the only way you can find this freedom, there is no freedom if you refuse to listen to him. Paul's let me back up. There, there was a battle in the first century church between the Jewish law and this message of the gospel. They were struggling with salvation by works versus the gospel, which is, I encounter a word from God, I believe it is a word from God, I receive it as a word from God, and I live it as a word from God. There was a battle, and they were struggling. So Paul's response to that spiritual battle in the first century church is these messages. Because all I've done in these six sessions is just read Galatians and expand on it to the, to the other parts of Scripture. Today, you must listen to him to find freedom. We open up chapter 5. And the main theme of all of Galatians appears. Galatians 5 verse 1. Here we go. So Christ has truly set us free. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in the slavery of the law. You've been set free. Paul says you've been set free. I've been set free. Christ has set us free. So stay free. Don't go back to slavery. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to slavery after your Moses has come and set you free. Our Moses has come and set us free. His name is Jesus Christ. He is our deliverer. Don't go back to the rituals of the law of Moses that proved that you couldn't be free on your own. Don't trust your human effort. Don't trust your human intellect to take hold of the promises of God. Ishmael, Hagar, they are representative of human efforts to Take hold of the promise of God. It doesn't work. Religion 
is man's effort to take hold of the promises of God. It doesn't work. Christ is the only way. The slavery of Egypt and the law in the wilderness both reveal the same thing. Let me make it clear. Paul is telling us, you've been set free. Just like Moses, the deliverer, came and set the people free. What did he do? A deliverer went into a place of bondage and picked the people up and took them out and gave them the law. And that deliverer took them, made them free and gave them the law so they could have a relationship with God in their freedom, right? Was that the future plan? That was a preview. A deliverer would come to the place of bondage, our Egypt. And instead of bringing us the law of Moses, 613 rules, he brought us the gospel. And then Paul writes the church and said, don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to slavery. The slavery of Egypt and the law in the wilderness both reveal the same thing. You know what they reveal? <clears throat> Egypt and the law were both shadows, previews of the coming Messiah, Jesus. I want to say it again. Moses was a preview, a shadow of Christ. And he was their deliverer, and he came to the place of their bondage to set them free. And what did God use through Moses to set them free? The law. But it's just a shadow. It's a preview of that which is to come. It is not the final. It is a preview. Moses was the one chosen by God to deliver his people from Egyptian slavery. But he was only a preview of the one to come. I'm about to read to you something that's recorded in the Old Testament and something that's recorded in the New Testament to show you that this is a shadow. Moses, the deliverer in Egypt, the bondage that led to the law, it's all a preview. It's all a shadow. It's all revealing something that's coming. And when it comes, you must listen to him. Here we go. I'm going to start in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 18. And I'm going to tell you, this is 1,500 years before the Apostle Paul. Moses. It's the time of Moses. Moses continued. The Lord your God. Moses is looking into the future. The Spirit of God has revealed something in the future. He says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. From among you fellow Israelites, he'll be Jewish. You must listen to him. Now, you might think, well, okay, that's interesting. No, 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 you're not, you're not getting it. This is as big as big gets because Moses is the deliverer. God has dispatched him to deliver Israel out of this bondage, out of this slavery. They can't get out on their own. They're helpless on their own. They'll be slaves forever. They'll die slaves. But when he delivers them, he then gives them the law. And he gives them this ability to have some relationship with God, even though it's behind a veil. God used Moses and the law. God used Moses, stay with me, Moses and the law to set them free. But it was only a preview. 
You must listen to him, the deliverer. You stay free by listening to him. That's how you get free. That's how you remain free, by listening to him. Now, now that's 1,500 years before Paul. So let's go back to the time of Paul. And the apostle Peter says this, Acts 3.22. For Moses said, he's quoting Moses, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. And Peter adds something. And anyone who does not listen to him, this one that Moses announced 1,500 years in advance, then anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Are you hearing me? Moses was a preview, a shadow. You must listen to the one that is coming. You must listen to him. You must believe him. There is freedom. Listen, everybody wants freedom. And you cannot have freedom. No one in this room, you cannot have freedom. No one on this planet can have freedom. Knowing that in front of you, someday, somewhere, there's a grave and your name's on it. And you're going to go into that grave and that grave's going to get a hold of you. And you're, it's never going to let go of you. Once the grave gets you, it does not let go of you unless you have freedom. And there's only one. There's only one that went into a grave and broke the chains. You must listen to him. But what if you don't? But what if you don't? You don't have to guess. Nobody in the room has to guess today. Peter says, if you don't listen to him, you will be completely cut off from his people. Do you know what that means? That grave will never let you go. You will forever be in that place of darkness. Galatians 3, 5. Paul asked the question to us right now. Here comes the question. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit? If the Holy Spirit is what sanctifies me, if the Holy Spirit is what makes me right with God, purifies me so that I can have fellowship with God, did God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obeyed the law? No, of course not. It is because you believed the message you heard about Christ. You must listen to Him. How did you get the Holy Spirit? Because you obeyed some rules, because you did this or didn't do that on a certain day, certain month, certain way, because you believed the message. You believed the message. You must listen to him. The law was a preview, a shadow. It, it did what? What happened when, they get, when the law came? It revealed our sin. It revealed our inability to be made right with God by human effort. It revealed it. The law proved, the law proved we can't do it. The law simply proved human ability could not take hold of God's promise. Human ability is like religion. There's a lot of religions in the world. And all of these religions, all of the religions, you ever thought about it? Just take every world religion and they all have something in common. It's how we, with our effort, are going to obtain fellowship with God. 
or receive the promises of God or to get to heaven with God. What? All religions all have something in common. It'll be by our human effort that we do it, except one, Christianity. Christianity says you can't do it. And God knew you couldn't do it. So God came and did it for you. But you must listen to him. If you don't, you will be completely cut off from his people. James 2 verse 10. For the person who keeps all the laws... Let's say, let's say there's 613 rules, and I keep using that number because best, best you can count through the Old Testament, there looks like about 613 of them. And James in the New Testament says, if a person who keeps all the laws except one, <laughs> let's say you got 612, he keeps all the laws except one, is guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. <laughs> what? So what if I kept... 613, or 12, or 10. Doesn't he grade on a curve? I'd still get an A, right? No. No. Verse 11. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but you do not commit adultery, guess what? Guess what? You've broken all the laws. You see why you couldn't do it? You see why nobody could do it? You think God didn't know that nobody was going to be able to do it? So what was supposed to happen is we were supposed to see how our effort was never going to do it so that when he came offering us this good news, we'd believe him. Do you? We're all lawbreakers. It's called sin. Moses said, one like me is coming. Moses is the lawgiver, right? Through Moses, God gave this law. But yet in the middle of receiving the law, what does Moses say? One like me is coming. You must listen to him. Peter then in the New Testament says, one like Moses has come and you must listen to him. And so what did Jesus say about the law? If we must listen to him, what did he say? Well, I got good news. They wrote it down and you got a copy. Here it comes. Matthew 5, 17. Here's what Jesus says. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Do you know what the purpose is? To get you out of Egypt. He came to deliver us. Moses came to the place of bondage to set them free. Jesus came to our place of bondage, it's called earth, to set us free. He came to fulfill the purpose of the law. Verse 18, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until, it is, until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment, if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to ignore the least commandment, you'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Somebody will say, well, at least I'm in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, uh-oh. I kind of wish he'd stopped at that last period 
And then he says, but I've got a warning for you. Unless your righteousness. Are you listening to me? This is Jesus. Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees. And the teachers of the religious laws and the Pharisees, they're the most biblically knowledgeable people on earth at that time. Unless your righteousness is better than their righteousness, you will never, are you hearing me? You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You must listen to him. I'm going to read it one more time. I want to make sure everybody today understands what he says. Let's look, focus simply on verse 20. Put verse 20 up here. I warn you, your righteousness. Everybody, this is you. I can only deal with me. You can only deal with you. Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So how, so that begs the question, how in the world can we obtain this righteousness before God? How can we get this righteousness? Because the law proved I didn't have any. The law proved I'm a sinner. I'm a lawbreaker. I'm wretched. In my own nature, I'm wretched. So how can I get this righteousness? You know what? First, let's look at the word. When you say righteousness, what does it mean? It means this. How can I be made right with God? And the assumption is that on my own, I'm not. So how can I be? Do you know? How can I be free from falling into the hands of an angry God? Because if I'm not right with him, if I find my place, if I go one day in front of him and I'm not right with him, the Bible says I'm going to fall into the hands of an angry God. How can I find freedom from that? How can I find freedom from the fact that I'm a sinner? How can I find freedom from the fact that there's a grave in front of me and there's a grave in front of anybody? Do you know anybody 132? Where'd they all go? You know it's coming. How can I find true and ultimate freedom? How can I find this righteousness that is greater than the Pharisees who had the law? Greater than the teachers who had the law? How can I find it? How can you find it? No more bondage to a standard that I cannot achieve. No more bondage to guilt and no more bondage to sin and no more bondage to death and no more bondage to grave and no more bondage to hell. You must listen to him. You want to make it complicated? You don't have to. You must listen to him. He is the word. And, and let's be honest, some of you, you're not buying it. You must listen to him. He is the word. And he is the Holy Spirit. And he is speaking through the Apostle Paul to the church at Galatia. And I am reading it to you today. Are you listening? You must listen to him or you will be completely cut off from his people. So who do you think wrote that letter to the church at Galatia? Who you'll say, Paul. 
Well, where did Paul get the knowledge to write it? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? Well, that's Jesus. And where's Jesus come from? That's God. You must listen to him or you will be completely cut off. There's freedom. I can tell you today there's freedom. Absolute freedom. If you will listen to him. Now, I can read the next part of Galatians 5. Verse 2. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision, what well, that's one of the 613 rules, okay? And, and let, me, let me say something, because I think this is important for people to understand. What's the big deal with Jewish circumcision? I mean, a male had to be circumcised, what, on the eighth day? You had to be circumcised. What's the big deal? I, I want you to visualize it as we talk about it today. It's like God's mark of ownership on your flesh. You, you belong, that mark means you belong to God. He's marking you. You got a physical mark on you. Okay? So here we go. With that in mind, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision, this physical mark on your flesh that the Jews all had to get, right? If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, there's that righteous thing. Unless your righteousness is greater than the Pharisees. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey. Well, what's the problem? Is there a problem with circumcision? No, there's not a problem with circumcision. Here it comes. If, you're going, if you want to go that route, if, if that's how you want to find the promises of God, then you must obey every regulation of the entire law of Moses. Good luck. Because you won't do it. You can't. They couldn't. Nobody can. Except one. One. For if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, that's man's effort, you've been cut off. Are you listening? If, if you think your effort, man's effort, it's called religion. If you think man's effort can make you right with God, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Are you listening? You've fallen away from the very thing that was put in place to save you. Is Paul contradicting Jesus? No. Jesus didn't come to cancel the law. He came to fulfill the purpose of the law. What was the purpose of the law? To show you and I that we had to have somebody come to our Egypt and set us free, and it wasn't Moses. There's one coming after me. You must listen to him. The law revealed this truth. You and I can't do it on our own. You can't save yourself. We will all fail. Was circumcision a part of the Jewish law? Yes, but it was only one part. You might keep that one part, but then guess what? You'd fail at one of the other parts. Breaking one part make you a, made you a lawbreaker. God is absolute holiness. And these laws were from God. And breaking one of the laws before this holy law-giving God makes you what? Guilty. How many did you have to break to become guilty? One. From God's perspective, 
You're unclean. You're a rebel. You've joined in the rebellion of Satan, the adversary. We cannot be right with God while we're guilty. Does anybody hear me? We cannot be right with God, righteous with God, while we're guilty. Can you see it? And we're all lawbreakers. We're all guilty before God, who is the lawgiver. Let me just give you an example. Ten Commandments. Have you broken one? Just one? Well, somebody say, well, I haven't committed adultery. Men, have you ever looked at a woman and lusted after her? You've committed adultery in your heart. Have you ever lied? you ever taken something that's not yours? We're all guilty. Everybody. Don't look around the room. It's all of us. We're in this together. It just takes one to be a lawbreaker. And I'm, I'm not even counting the 613 laws of Moses. Do you see it? You must listen to him. You'll be cut off from grace. He said it. I didn't. If you don't listen to him, you're going to be cut off from grace. Cut off from grace of God through Christ. By trying to do something that God said in advance, you'll never be able to do. You can't save yourself. In fact, you know what? I've come to, the, come to this real simple thing. It's kind of a light bulb moment for me. Using your effort to try to get the promises of God, spiritually speaking, is to say, Christ, I don't need you. I got this. I got this. I don't really need you. That, that cross thing, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need you. So what is this way of grace through Christ? Faith in the message. Are you hearing me? Faith in the message. Faith in the word does what? Brings the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's sanctifying work. The Holy Spirit removes your guilt, remo removes your shame, secures your promise. The Holy Spirit, here we go. The Holy Spirit is God's mark of ownership on your life. If you have the Holy Spirit, He has marked you. He has bought you. He has put himself inside of you as the deposit guaranteeing that which is to come. So I ask you around the room today, do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you know? I keep asking this question in Galatians. Do you know? Jesus says that no one will enter the kingdom of heaven unless he's born again of the water and the spirit. He said it. He said it. And you know what I say? You must listen to him. You must listen to him. Galatians 5, verse 4. Let's keep moving. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit, here it comes. But we, we're not cut off from grace. We who live by the Spirit eagerly wait by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. God has promised us a righteousness. I don't have it. I need it. I'm guilty. So he promised he'd give me one. What? One what? A righteousness. I'm going to read verse 5 again. 
We who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Wow. This is freedom. I'm reading to you absolute, total freedom. And here's the thing. This is the part that blows my mind. It is within the reach of every human being. You can reach it. There is a righteousness from God that takes away your sin and your guilt, receives the promised Holy Spirit, sanctifying, promising heaven is yours. You're a child of God. You're a brother of Christ. And it's right here in front of you. All you have to do is receive by faith. It's yours. This is peace with God. This is the righteousness of Christ covering our unrighteousness. I want to illustrate something. I want you to have a visual picture. When I was in Israel, I picked up one of their Jewish prayer shawls. And um, when the Jewish men, some of them, when they go to the wall to pray or when they go to pray, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll do this. Let's see if I can put this thing on right. Here's what they'll do. And they'll pray like this. And I'm not trying to promote some Jewish prayer technique. I want you to come out of this with this. This is a spiritual picture of something that covers my unrighteousness. When I come to Christ, this is a spiritual picture of the righteousness of Christ that then covers my unrighteousness. So when God looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees the righteousness of his son covering me because his Holy Spirit is in me. And now I have put on the righteousness of Christ. I wear the righteousness of Christ. And it's not some prayer shawl it is the person of Christ who is moved inside of this house, inside of this temple. And if you approach God without this covering of a righteousness other than yours, what did Jesus say? Unless your righteousness is greater than the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will never enter this kingdom of heaven. Do you have this righteousness? You think, well, does that mean I did good this last week? You're still not getting it. You're still not getting it. You must listen to him. And you know who him is? He's talking to you even right now from inside your heart if he's there. Are you listening to him? This is how we're made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law? No, no, no. That's not how you do it. You receive the Holy Spirit by believing the message. And what does that mean? You listened to him. You did. You did it. You received the Holy Spirit by faith in Christ. We can only be made right with God by receiving the Holy Spirit of Christ by faith. This is his abiding presence inside of our hearts. There is no other way. There is no other way on this planet that you or I will be made right with God apart from the Holy Spirit. 
the righteousness of God must come upon us, must come in us. There's no other way. You must listen to him. Jesus revealed this way to be made right with God before he went to the cross. I want to read it to you. John 14. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he'll do something. He'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. There's the Holy Spirit. Verse 17. He, the one that the Father will send, the righteous covering, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Because the world isn't looking for him. And the world doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Because he lives with you now. Here it comes. And he'll be in you later. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. Jesus is about to leave, right? I'm not going to abandon you as orphans. I will come. What do you mean you will come? In the form of the Holy Spirit. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you'll see me. Since I live, you also will live. And when I am raised to life again, you will know that I, Jesus, am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Are you getting it? Jesus says, Jesus said, I am in you, and you are in me. And because we are together, we are in the Father. I have, in this, in this instance, I have received the righteousness of Christ covering my life. I can approach the Father. You know why? Because he won't see Terry's guilty. He'll say Jesus is unguilty. Wow. Verse 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, the Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Reveal myself. Could you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and you don't know it? I will reveal myself to each of them. This saving faith is not hearing about God. This saving faith is not hearing the words of God and not obeying them. This saving faith is you listened to him. He is in me and I am in him. And because he is in me, we are in the Father. This is how you make peace with God. This is it. To know that no matter what happens, guess what? It is well with my soul. No matter what happens. This is how you find freedom. And when the sun sets you free, you are really free. You see, I'm no longer bound to sin. I'm no longer bound to sin's master. I am an overcomer. I can overcome because I have him, Christ. I am now bound to Christ I am bound to him. I belong to him. I, I am his slave. I don't say that thinking, oh, I'm a slave. No, I am happy because he is a great master. And I, I love the idea that I belong to him and it's his responsibility to care for me because I belong to him. 
This is the power inside me right now that can overcome sin and sin's master. This is the power inside of me that can plunder Satan instead of Satan plundering me. I'm going to ask you, any of you think you can go against Satan with your own power? Jesus says this in Matthew 12, for who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Do, Do you think you can? Only someone even stronger than Satan, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Do you know anybody like that? I do. Who can tie up Satan and plunder his house? This power, this peace, this freedom does not come from being circumcised, even though the Jewish law required circumcision. That's like focusing on the preview of a movie and then getting up before the movie actually begins. The Spirit comes by faith. The Holy Spirit is Christ, and Christ is the Holy Spirit. It is His righteousness that makes us right with God, not ours. And when He comes... He comes in power. He comes to reign over sin. Listen. And when he comes, he reigns in power and authority over your sin nature, over my sin nature. See, I I don't have the power in myself to reign over my sin nature because my sin nature is me. But he has the power to reign over my sin nature. Galatians 5, 5. Here we go. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus expressing himself through the church. Jesus expressing himself through the church is the work of God in these last days. So what was the problem with the Galatian church? What was the problem? What prompted Paul to write this letter to them? The church was turning back to Egypt. Are you hearing me? Why did Paul write this letter to that church? They were turning back to Egypt. They were walking back into the wilderness of the law of man's efforts and no longer listening to him. They had placed human effort above their desperate need for Christ. I'm watching the same thing happen in the modern American church. So many methods. I'm I'm so tired of all these people having all of these methods about how to grow a church, methods about how to do this or how to do that or how to, how to advance the cause of the kingdom, all these methods. And the only method we need is the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. That's the method. Human effort is just another religion that tries to get hold of God's promises We need to circumcise our human efforts. Are you with me? We need to circumcise, cut apart our human efforts and fall on our face before God and listen to Him. Galatians 5, 7. You are running the race so well. Here's Paul talking to the church. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. 
For he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge the person, whoever he is, who's been confusing you. There is a truth and there is a lie. There is a freedom and there is a bondage. There are false teachers then, there are false teachers now. False teaching, Paul says, is like a little yeast that can spread through a whole batch of dough. It can destroy a church. I want you to pause for a moment. Can you see right now, can you see right now how important it is for each of you, not just me, each of you to understand what's in this book? Do you understand how important it is to know the scriptures so that the false teacher will never have any power over you? Because when the false teacher comes to me, I'm going to say, but the Holy Scriptures say. Because I know what the Holy Scriptures say. And, and, and what I don't know, listen, what I don't know in that moment, the Holy Spirit reveals to me. What I don't know, he shows me when I need to know it. Do you know how important that is? Don't let the world, in fact, here's, here's modern Christianity in America. You, you let the world tell you what the Bible says. You're letting the world tell you what's in the Bible. And you're sitting there thinking, huh? Huh? It's in there? You should let the Holy Spirit tell you what the Bible says. Why don't you try it? Why don't you try something? Why don't you open the book, go to the Gospel of John, start with first verse, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Why don't you just start reading and say, Holy Spirit, would you show me what that means? You must listen to Him. Why don't you try that? Galatians 5.11, dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who wanted to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. That sounded pretty rough. It's pretty plain talking. Salvation only through the cross of Christ. Today, I preach this. There is salvation only through the cross of Christ. You can't do it. And if you try to do it somehow, by your own efforts, by your own intellect, by your own method, you're actually saying, Jesus, I don't need you. I got this. I got this. This is where Satan slips in today. Here it comes. Let me give you an example. Does the freedom that we have in Christ allow us to do anything we want to do? You want, you want what Satan's doing in the church? People read Galatians, and they read about this freedom, and they come up with this because they don't know the Holy Scripture, and they don't have the Holy Spirit. And there are many churches devoid of the Holy Spirit. So they say, well, because I have freedom in Christ, I can do anything I want to do because I have freedom, right? I'm free. I'm under grace. I can do whatever I want to do. Galatians 5.13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. 
Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. There's a reason why we need the Holy Spirit to come inside of our hearts. He comes to rescue us from our sin nature. Does it seem reasonable to you that the Holy Spirit would come into us so that we could do anything we want to do whenever we want to do it and satisfy our sinful nature? Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's always been loving is always based on truth. If you want to call, there's a, there's a slogan that's gone out over the last few years, love wins. So I'm going to tell you what, love does win, but only the love that's true love wins. This false love doesn't win. In fact, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6, love, real love, as God has defined love, does not delight in evil. It rejoices in truth. The truth is Jesus, and Jesus is the truth, and it is Jesus that sets us free. Many churches are struggling with this today, and it looks like the Galatian church was also struggling. Verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Are you with me? Let the, let the Spirit direct you, and you won't be focused on your sinful nature, satisfying that craving inside of yourself. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces, what? Sin nature and the Holy Spirit. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Remember the old cartoon, there's a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other shoulder. There's a real spiritual truth to that. They're fighting each other. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. How? Listen to him. Being directed by the Holy Spirit. How? Listen to him. Does this describe you today? If you look back over your life over the last year, can you honestly say that you're listening for the Holy Spirit to guide you? This is freedom. Living to satisfy the flesh is bondage. It leads to death. Good intentions do not set you free. Good intentions do not make you right with God. Good intentions, human efforts, do not break the bondage that leads to sin and death. Do you have the Holy Spirit guiding, directing your life? It's a yes or no question. If you're in the room today, can you answer the question? Do you have the Holy Spirit guiding you right now? Yes or no? See, I don't struggle that the world does what the world does. I've come to the conclusion they can't help it. But you know when I struggle? It's when I see it in the church. Then I struggle. Galatians 5.19 And when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Are you with me? Here we go. 
And when you follow the sinful nature, not the spirit, the results are clear. Let's just take a test. Sexual immorality. It's here today. You want me to be up front? Here we go. How many, how many couples we have sexually immoral in the church right now? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know that part. Not yet. You can come see me after church. We'll talk about it. How many couples are living together outside of marriage? Why don't you listen to him? I'm not condemning you. I, I'm trying to tell you how to get out of Egypt. I'm trying to tell you how to be set free. Do you want to be a slave? Sexual immorality. Impurity. Men, what are you watching? What are you watching on TV? What's on your phone? Lustful pleasures. Idolatry, which is simply something's in the place where God ought to be. It's not him. Sorcery. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition. Oh, that's the American dream, right? Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Is he bluffing? Is any of that confusing to you? You want me to read it again? No, I don't want to read it again. Is any of that confusing? Well, that wasn't clear, preacher. It's very clear. Did someone tell you that freedom from the law meant you could live to satisfy your sin nature? Well, they're a liar. Where do you think that message came from? It didn't come from the Holy Spirit. So what happens? What happens? Okay, if that's what happens when I live under the power of the sin nature, absent the Holy Spirit, in bondage, living in Egypt, what happens if I go over? What happens if I listen to him and the Spirit comes? Okay, next verse, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against any of this stuff. You're not going to be a lawbreaker. You can't break God's law with any of those. Interesting, isn't it? You must listen to him. Peter said it. Moses said it. I shout it today. I'm, I'm shouting it. You must listen to him. Jesus came to the earth after his death and burial and resurrection in the form and the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is speaking through the Apostle Paul to the Galatian church, and he's speaking in this room today. You must listen to him. Verse 24, those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of the sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives and let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Do you belong to Christ today, yes or no? Have you nailed the passions of your sin nature to the cross today, yes or no? 
Are you living your life under the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit today? Yes or no? You must listen to him. He came to fulfill the purpose of the law, which was to get you out of Egypt. You must listen to him or you will be a forever slave. And that slavery is death and sin and hell forever. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off. And you're not going to be able to say, I didn't know. Yes, you do know. Completely cut off. What, do I have to tell you what completely cut off is? It's hell. It's a forever prison. Galatians 5.1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up in slavery to the law. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. You see, we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we've left Egypt. We're out of Egypt. Moses came to deliver them out of Egypt and gave them the law so they could experience God. But that was just a preview. Now, the one Moses talked about has come. He's our deliverer, Jesus Christ. And he came and he's going to take us out of our slavery and out of our bondage. And he's not going to use the law because he knew the law wouldn't get us into the promised land. He's going to use the gospel. But the only way the gospel works is this. You must listen to him. Are you listening? So we're going to do something. We're going to sing a song. It's called an invitation. And if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today and you listened and you heard and you now know the truth and you don't want to be a slave, you don't want to live in Egypt, you want to be free, then you come and confess Christ. You come and do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Father, would your Holy Spirit do your work, your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.